Welcome to a new occasional feature on Inside the Groove, where I speak with people of interest who have perhaps crossed paths with Madonna in some way, or perhaps in some form their lives have been touched by her music. And I'm calling it Something to Remember, where they choose her songs that have soundtracked their lives. I guess it's a Madonna version of Desert Island Discs, but let's hope it's a bit more Desert Island Disco than Swept Away. Anyway, my first guest is writer Matt Kane, author of four books, including, of course, The Madonna of Bolton. It's a semi-biographical novel which perhaps tells the story that many of us might feel we have inside them. Matt, welcome to Inside the Groove. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. No, absolute pleasure. And this is, I guess, a bit of an experiment, so no pressure. But I think this could work if we speak to people about why Madonna's affected their lives and and how it's worked through songs. But that's kind of what your book was about, wasn't it? Because I think, Charlie, is it the central character of your book? Essentially, it was the story of how he comes to terms with his sexuality and his obsession with Madonna. Is that right? Yes. Well, it's basically, um, it's about a young boy growing up in a small town in England in the 90s. 1980s and he has a hard time in life. Nobody understands him. He's unloved, rejected by the world in which he lives and he clings on to Madonna and her message and the spirit of her music and her videos and her tours. She becomes a kind of spirit guide for him. Um, And I structured the book, each chapter of the book is structured around a Madonna song. So it kind of is a soundtrack to his life. And it's interesting, when I was promoting the book, when it first came out, I'd quite often say, oh, um, you know, the theme of the book is the emotional support and the emotional connection we can have with pop music. It's not specifically about Madonna, but... In this context, with an audience purely of Madonna fans, I can <laughs> say, yes, it's absolutely about Madonna. 100%. And celebrating, yeah, and celebrating that um, amazing contribution she made to so many of our emotional lives. Oh, yeah, I know there's going to be quite a few listeners who can completely identify with that because um, we know that not all Madonna fans are gay men, <laughs> but we seem to come across a lot of them. And uh, I think we've all kind of listen to her message of how to express yourself and you know taking that on board so I guess that's kind of at, at the heart of what you wrote as well oh absolutely I cannot tell you I mean yes you know joking apart though since the book came out a lot of people have come up to me and said oh that's my story but not with Madonna I when my mum and dad were splitting up or when my uncle was an alcoholic I used to listen to Morrissey and the Smiths in my room and I felt they were the only ones who understood me I kind of I did get that a lot but the number of gay men who came up to me and said this is my story um, and you know there's so many of them told me things like I remember one saying he used to go to bed under a poster of Madonna on his wall every night and he'd wake up in the morning and he'd feel strong because she was strong and she was with him on his side and um, so many of us um, took that from her and it's I mean you're right with things like express yourself the, the message generally was about um, you know respecting yourself expressing yourself having the courage to follow through your drive pursue your dreams and you know it was about if you think about gay icons in the past they'd often been about vulnerability and tragedy figures the thing about Madonna was we all knew 
She'd experienced the greatest tragedy in her life growing up. I mean, your mother dying when you're five. I mean, you can't get much more damaging mm. than that. But you didn't see any vulnerability. She used to wear costumes. I mean, the Gautier corset was basically <laughs> like armor. It was like a shield. And she'd repel any attempts to any metaphorical attempts to kind of pierce her armor, you know. And um, loads of us who were struggling ourselves really connected with that and really wanted to channel that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it goes without saying that you're a a fan of her music, but I'm just going to say you're a fan of the podcast as well, aren't you? I'm a huge fan of the podcast. (laughs) I absolutely love it. And it's brilliant to me that um, you are exploring and appreciating her musicianship and her musicality because I love all the imagery with Madonna and the dance and the performance and the costumes and the ideas but sometimes people praise that and focus on that to detract from her talent as a musician and Mm. i think what you're doing is brilliant because it's it's you know reintroducing that to the conversation well let's start then because i've asked you to think about some songs that have figured in your life and um I mean, the first one I want to ask you is, is what was the song, maybe not the first song you heard by Madonna, but the song that really hooked you in and be- made you become a Madonna fan? Well, I will say that the song that made me a fan was Into the Groove, just because I absolutely love the song and that really hooked me in 1985 when I was 10. But the mm-hmm. song that made me a mega fan was Open Your Heart. What a brilliant choice. I mean, it's one of my favourites as well. How old were you, can I ask, when Open Your Heart came out? Um, I was 11. Okay, so obviously, you know, quite a turning point in your life. And what was it? Was it the song? Was it the video? Was it was it everything? Well, I, um, I absolutely loved the song anyway on the album. I think when that video came out, that's when she really hit her stride as an artist. I yeah. know she'd done things like like Virgin Material Girl and the whole um, look of the bangles and the you know that that kind of street urchin look had been an expression of who she was as an artist. But for me, and she'd done the poppy stuff with True Blue and Papa Don't Preach. But for me, that's when it all really came together in the Open Your Heart video. And actually, um, it's it's she's interpreting the song quite loosely. If you think about mm-hmm. it, I mean, the song's kind of about unrequited love and wanting somebody to love her. Um, I understood that song as being kind of, with the video, wanting the world to love her. And in that video, she very much, that's when I really understood she was an ally. Um, I was 11, I already knew I was gay. I was already ostracized at school for that, had been for years. Um, I didn't understand anything about sexual identity, sexual politics, but I suddenly understood when she was a stripper in a seedy club on the fringes of a town, performing Mm -hmm. for outcasts, including a lesbian drag king, two gay sailors with their arms around each other in 1986, Mm. at the height of the hysteria that was whipped up around the AIDS crisis um, and the homophobia that came from that. And, you know, there was a child roughly my age dancing Mm -hmm. with her. Um, 
it was a huge moment for me. And the fact that she was dancing with this child, it was saying strippers aren't just how certain people say they are. Um, they, you know, it was the fact that she was exploring the maternal side of this character. And she was on a pedestal, she was on a stage. She had that goddess blonde hair. Um, that's when it really came together for me. Because if you remember, before then, right from the start, she'd been celebrating the contribution to her career of her gay brother, her gay friend, her gay dance teacher, her gay dancers. I remember Smash Hits magazine that I used to read in the UK um, came out every two weeks. I used to get it delivered. They had this um, two-issue feature, the Madonna story, in 1986, and they told her story, and there were just gays everywhere, you know? <laughs> and um, in those days, people forget that before the internet, when I was growing up in Bolton, I felt that that was the world. I had no idea what... You know, there were just no positive representations of gays, or very, very few. And mm. um, she was just banging on about how brilliant we were and how great we'd been in her life. And then suddenly it kind of all came together in this video and this song. It's funny, isn't it, how it took a woman to teach the world to accept gay men, really? Yes, well, funnily enough, when I've done interviews about the book, one or two people have said to me, oh, wasn't that just younger journalists? Wasn't she just trying to um, get the pink pound on side? And it's like, <laughs> babe, you have absolutely no, no idea what kind of pariahs we were. Nobody was pursuing girls. I mean, in, in those days, even gay pop stars like Freddie Mercury and George Michael, everybody misremembers now and thinks that Freddie Mercury was out and proud, he didn't even come out. Um, he came out as having AIDS the night before he died. He never came mm. out as being gay. We had, I mean, people say, oh, everybody knew. They didn't before the internet. There was no such thing nope. as kind of rumors. And um, Madonna was this lone voice. You know, there was Andy Bell in Eurasia, there was Jimmy Somerville in The Communards and Bronski Beat, both of whom were amazing. But she was the biggest star in the world. The fact that every song she did was a huge success, that made me feel when I was languishing in kind of rejection and horrific unpopularity socially, it made me feel like she as my, as you know, the leader of my team was, it was my way of kind of getting my home back on the world in some way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> my love of Open Your Heart was confirmed when at the age of 12, I went to see her first ever live gig in the UK. The Who's That Girl tour came to Roundhead Park in Leeds and that was the opening number. And yes. that experience literally blew my mind. I was never the same again. Listen, I want to move on because we've got so much to get through. Um, and the second song I'm going to ask you about, I want you to tell me that Madonna song that you think gets overlooked. Maybe it was a single, maybe just an album track, but that kind of underrated song that you'd you'd like to have a moment to talk about and, and how it affected your life. Yes. Um, I would like to talk about... Well, I considered causing a commotion because I just love it. I think the middle eight is amazing. And yep. You know, that that kind of songwriting is often, that talent is often overlooked. I also love You'll See, mm -hmm. which I think often is overlooked, but the song I would like to discuss is Oh Father. Wonderful. Oh Father, album track on the Like A Pair album, but it was released as a single 
in the US and then eventually did become a single I think it was in about 1995 or 96 I can't remember in the UK I don't have to ask you what it is you love about it because it's an amazing song it's such a good song and it's um I mean actually I know that I was talking about um you didn't see any vulnerability but you you got the occasional flash which would um keep you hooked and I think here um, this is one of those rare moments when you got it. She was really going into her kind of own life story and it was quite raw, um, mm-hmm. the expression of emotion. I think the vocals were all done in one take, weren't they? And- That's right, they were indeed. It's really interesting because people talk about Madonna as a, a singer and um, we, we all know that she is no Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston. But I think her drama and her voice is what's made her a star. And she sounds so vulnerable in that song. It's really quite breathtaking. I find it completely breathtaking. And yeah, I've heard you say that before on the podcast. It's about her emotion and I completely agree. But I also think that when I was growing up and people would say, oh yes, but Madonna can't sing. Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston have such much better voices. And I'd think, well, but that, you know, they're not particularly interesting as artists because they can rely on the voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And actually, the fact that Madonna achieved so much with a voice that wasn't one of the best, it almost there's more to admire there. It's very true. And it's something that's kind of true of Madonna all around is, I mean, she is beautiful. I'm not going to say that she's not beautiful, but she's not traditionally beautiful, but somehow uses that to her advantage i think it's the same with her voice and i think it's the same with everything that she does that she she knows that she isn't at the top so she pushes herself and somehow that confidence is what comes over in what she does i completely agree you're right about her beauty if she had natural model looks if she'd been born a cake moss um Mm. she probably wouldn't have had to go on a journey to find some way of making an impact in the world and would have been far less interesting as an artist. In um, her brother's book, um, which I have to confess I have read, he says something (laughs) along the lines of her greatest fear was always to just be standing on her own and singing on stage, um, to just be stripped back to her and her voice. And um, I can't remember whether he was using that in a critical, he was saying that in a critical way, but for me, that if if because of that she had to develop this whole kind of theatrical performance style and the imagery and completely revolutionizing the tour you know Mm -hmm. with um the entrance and the costume changes and the five themed acts and the template that every female pop star in particular has followed ever since then if she just had an amazing voice or a beautiful face we possibly wouldn't have had all that yeah that's true and it's really interesting that you've chosen oh father because i think that's one of the emotional highlights in the blonde ambition tour she sort of combines it with live to tell and we that's the first bit of the catholic imagery and it sort of takes the song to a whole new level oh absolutely um absolutely and also you know i've talked about the emotional impact that she had on my life this is one of the songs that, um, you know, as a gay man, when you're growing up in quite a macho environment, often you look at your father as the kind of embodiment mm-hmm. of um, the kind of, you know, the idea of masculinity that is prized. And um, this song was a total kind of teenage bedroom frustration, resentment um, moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm sure it was for lots of gay men. Oh, absolutely. Who didn't feel yeah. that their mega dope was somehow 
disappointing to their fathers are somehow misunderstood. I feel, you know, I dread to think that there'll be a day where Madonna won't be with us. <laughs> but I think when that happens and people look back at her work and critically appraise it, Oh Father is going to be the song that, you know, really is at the heart of everything that she does. It's not a dance song, but there's something so purely Madonna about that song. Absolutely. And going back to the podcast, actually, with this song, yes, there is a video. Yes, she has occasionally done it, well, once on the Blonde Ambition Tour. But mm -hmm. um, most people haven't really seen that video. It wasn't why available in this country she's never put it yeah. on in the uk she's never put it on greatest hits collections so the way that people have experienced that song is often just the music and mm -hmm. you strip it right back to music the songwriting the vocals and the emotion in there and it is as you said breathtaking so for the third song i want you to talk about what's the song that's had a significant part in your life and what what i mean here is i think we've all had very emotional moments in our life either very sad things with loss or, or really special things with, with weddings partners and all that kind of stuff is there a song that kind of featured in your life as it were a madonna song in in a significant way yes for this <laughs> um option i'm going to have to pick vogue Okay, so tell me why Vogue and what it was that happened. What, what, what was that the soundtrack to? For me, it was breaking out of a small town in Bolton and going to not very far away in Manchester, but it felt like it was far away at the time. And this is around the time when the gay village was really hitting its stride, Canal Street. And I was by that stage um, 15, 16 around that time. And... Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying it was playing in every gay bar that I went to, but it kind of felt like it was. Do you know what I mean? It, the impact yeah. of that song and bringing gay culture into the mainstream. I mean, as you say, it's amazing that it took a woman to do that, but when there was so much animosity to go, that's the only way it could have been done in those days. And yeah. um, she really did do that. I remember reading at the time that... Um, you know, um, it was based on the underground bowl culture, drag mm -hmm. bowls in New York. We didn't know what that meant, and there was no way for us to look it up on the internet. No, yeah. <laughs> but it's so kind of gay and queer and celebratory, and um, you know. And then when she went on Blonde Ambition tour, you know, shortly after the song came out of, when the song was literally everywhere that year. Mm -hmm. The fact that she had these seven dancers and six of them were so kind of visibly and obviously gay and that was so mm -hmm. celebrated in the film in bed with Madonna Truth or Dare and you know I remember seeing going to a multiplex to see it in 1991 and mm -hmm. I had never seen men kissing in a film in a mainstream release suddenly it was there the biggest star in the world was celebrating it and lots of people in the audience went Ugh, out loud. <laughs> um, Madonna was on our side and she was pushing it. And Vogue was very much the soundtrack to that for me and to my kind of, not so much coming out, but because in those days you could keep a secret a bit better, pre-social media and <laughs> texting and this and the other. But it was my first kind of forays with the, onto the gay scene with those couple of trusted friends. And in those days, the gay scene was everything. 
Um, mm. You know, I've spoken to a lot of gay men of around my age who talk about the excitement, the fear, um, mm. the terror of going out, but the kind of, you know, sexual frisson as well. Um, and when I was first going to gay bars in Manchester, this amazing time in the early 90s when things were really opening up, gradually, Vogue was very much the soundtrack to that. I can see now with your book, which is wonderful, I can see how you've you've been able to intertwine your life so much with with Madonna's career, really. It's kind of like me, I suppose, it figures in certain points in your life that are indelible. Oh, it's um, interesting. You know, just when you said 1989 then, I'd think... You know, March was it that Like a Prayer came out? I, my, my, the first 25, 30 years of my life, I think of in terms of kind of Madonna albums and tours and what she was doing at the time. They're my kind of landmarks. <laughs> That's how important it was to me. So, what's happening with the book? Because at one point, I think I heard it was being turned into a film. Well, it's interesting you say that. Um, I'm really not allowed to talk about it, but what I will say is um, contracts have been signed. It's all very exciting. I'm not allowed to say anything, but um, it is being adapted currently um, into another medium. It's really exciting, but the fact that you bring that up is interesting because the key creative team, the writer and the director, are more than 10 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing at the moment is very much kind of infusing them with the spirit of Madonna and, and having to give them a bit of an education because they can appreciate the songs and watch the videos, but in terms of appreciating them through the kind of impact they made at the time and the social cultural context at the time, I'm having to kind of, um, you know, give them a bit, bit of an education. <laughs> the writer's actually coming around tomorrow night and I'm going to literally just give him like you know a madonna a to z the madonna 101 <laughs> video after video live performance after live performance <laughs> well you need to show i show him the mtv performance uh, of vogue uh, in the dangerous liaison costumes because Absolutely. i mean you, it, Absolutely. that's the one isn't it <laughs> it's amazing isn't it it's amazing but you know what when um when people have seen the kind of michelle visage do it on um strictly i <laughs> i just you know that at the time it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Just how inventive oh, yeah. and how different to anything that had come before. Yeah. You know, the fact that she'd be kind of channeling the spirit of a 17th century French novel. <laughs> you know, people just didn't... I remember when I saw the Who's That Girl tour and she had Tamara Delempica um, projections <laughs> all around. I mean, nobody fused kind of art and fashion and in that kind of way that Madonna did. That's why I think, you know, for me, it wasn't... I don't think of myself as being some sad loser, just kind of, I found it an education being into Madonna yeah. and inspirational. Absolutely, and this is what annoys me slightly when younger people say she's irrelevant, Madonna's no longer relevant. And the thing is, what she did cannot be erased, and what she did is made what we have today exist really there would be no Britney there would be no Ariana or you know none of the pop stars in their current form would exist but more than that I, th I think I honestly think and you know somebody listening into this will, will be saying that's crazy but I honestly think that the gay movement would not have advanced in the way that it has were it not absolutely for the things that not. she did absolutely not there's no from, from two of us who were there and experienced mm -hmm. at the time um, there is absolutely no question um, Madonna saved my life. I literally, I don't think I would be here today 
if it weren't for the lifeline that she threw me with her supportive gay men and lesbians yes, and sexually yep. expressive women. You know, um, the, it, it was absolutely a kind of lifeline. It wasn't just an emotional crutch. It saved my life. Well, that's a good point because as two gay men, we've been talking about the impact on gay men. But of course, you know, Madonna was pretty much bisexual, even lesbian at one point. That was that was kind of one of the personas that she had. And that must have been really liberating for a lot of, of females in the LGBT community. Yes, and I think I wanted to write an article actually about Madonna as a lesbian icon and pitched it to Diva magazine once, but they said to me, mm. a lesbian needs to write this, which I kind of agreed with, to be honest. <laughs> um, but um, it, like you say, it's amazing that um, a woman had to do that for gay men. Actually, you know, if you think about when she was doing, um, expressing her bisexuality or um, however you want to say it, mm -hmm. particularly when she went on... David Letterman was it with Sandra Bernhardt yeah um, we can look at that now in the context of kind of the li lipstick lesbianism that came afterwards and girls trying to be all kind of do a little girl girl act with their friend to please their man um, mm -hmm. but actually when Madonna was doing it with a fully out lesbian and talking about their trips to the cubbyhole lesbian bar in New York Mm -hmm. They would not have had a lesbian on that show at the time. It was years later that Ellen came out and mm -hmm. he was dropped. You know, um, it had to be um, a woman of Madonna's kind of... She put herself on the line. To, you know, for uh, for the for the cause. Well, it could have killed her career, and I think maybe young people now don't realise that. But it, back then, it could have absolutely ended her career. And let's face it, there's been a few instances where Madonna's almost done that for other reasons. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she was she didn't care. She wanted to get that message across. Absolutely. Listen, I'm going to ask you a, a tricky question now, and I know that some people don't like to answer this one, and uh, some people love to. But I'm going to ask you for your fourth song. There must be one Madonna song that if you could erase forever, what would it be? Well, can I just say, I'm not one of those Madonna fans who will defend to the death anything that we've <laughs> done. I'm very happy to talk. Usually I prefer to leave this off the record about her missteps. But um, I will say there are, there are a few songs I'd like to erase, but one in particular <laughs> is Turn Up The Radio. So what is it about Turn Up The Radio that makes you want to turn off the radio? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's everything that we were just saying. You know, if, so, if an artist literally changes the world and saves your life, I don't then want to go to hearing them sing a track that's very lightweight and banal. Turn up the radio, turn up the radio, turn up the radio. Um, I think, you know, maybe if that had been on the first album, fine. Mm. But um, I don't think you can advance the art form so much and, you know, change attitudes to sexually confident women and expressive women and gay men and lesbians and then go to doing a song like that at that stage in her career, like 12 years, um, 14 years after Ray of Light. 
You know, I have a theory um, with that song and, and a couple of other Madonna songs. I think she's done some stuff in the past that in her mind she doesn't know why it's been successful. She said, for example, with Into the Groove, she felt like a dork singing those lyrics and she doesn't understand why people love it so much because it's quite basic. And so I think maybe at certain points in her career she thought, oh, I'll try and do it again. I'll just do something a bit nothingy and somehow people love it. But there's something magical about Into the Groove, it, you know, it, it, and she didn't repeat that formula with that song, you're right. I mean, magic, you're not supposed to be able to manufacture it. She kind of could a lot. <laughs> and, you know, she's talked about assignment writing, hasn't she, in the past, when she's written yeah. songs for film soundtracks or whatever. Um, I know that if you look at Madame X, that's the ultimate expression of her doing just what she wants to do at that mm -hmm. stage in her career. Um, I wonder whether with other albums in the past she's thought I just need a banger dance track at the, mm -hmm. you know and it's not necessarily been assignment writing in that way but it's been to you know tick a particular box in a collection of songs you know or yeah. I mean it's hard to imagine that Turn Up The Radio wasn't um, conceived as a means of getting radio play um, but you know I mean if you think about you know you talk about you're absolutely right when you say her beauty um wasn't the most interesting thing about her and that's what made her it wasn't her trump card that's what made her do interesting things with it and i don't know i just felt very deflated looking at the video where she mm. the boobs are pushed up and she's just with all these 18 year old italians in the back of a car and it's just like you know you look at express yourself like you know 1989 however many years um i can't my mouth is terrible but more than <laughs> 20 years earlier um and what she was doing with kind of um, our ideas about how a woman should behave and, you know, and then it was, you know, some, I remember reading an article once when somebody talked about um, female pop stars, are, I mean, it's very reductive actually, to use a word of Madonna's, female pop stars being either f me or f you. And mm -hmm. I always thought Madonna was supremely f you, particularly yeah. things like um, express yourself. And then suddenly in... Um, turn up the radio she's being go me f me f me and you know that's not what i wanted i don't know about you yeah i completely get it um and this is when people who are not the biggest madonna fans look at stuff like that and go oh she's just desperate for a hit she's just trying to be down with the kids and i can't help but think they might be slightly right with, with i think with the whole mdna era there are some good songs on it but turn I'm up the radio is i'm addicted Love yeah. them. Girl Gone Wild. Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there. I remember uh, you may have heard of Pop Justice and Peter Robinson yeah. writes uh, for that. Great guy and what he does is fantastic. But he championed that song and said it should have been the lead single. And I don't know if Madonna's people were listening to things that journalists were saying, such as him, and thought, oh yeah, we should make that a single. But Absolutely. I mean, there was something, there was something weird going on there because um, her brilliance hadn't just been in um, making the music. It had been picking what was right at what time. Um, mm. Give Me All Your Loving was certainly the weakest lead single from an album that she's ever done. And, yeah. Um, there was, yeah, I mean, it was her first album away from Warner's, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know whether her usual team of A&R and, you know, just weren't as good when she moved like mm -hmm. her companies. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to find out, actually, I'd love it if she wrote a really good autobiography. Um, <laughs> you occasionally get, nobody ever wants 
to spill the beans, but you occasionally get these little chinks. And William Orbit did an interview after that album mm-hmm. saying she is even more brilliant musically than she ever has been, but she's been pulled in different directions to do a clothing line and a fragrance launch or this, that, and the other. When we got her in the studio, she was better than ever. But um, it just didn't come together. Yeah, I think that's true of a few songs, especially the ones that he produced, that they just feel not quite finished. Um, Because I think Ray of Light took a very long time to record, about four months. Um, And I think if she'd put a bit more, I don't want to say effort, that's not right, but a bit more time into that album. But of course, she'd just done her movie. And I think the impending Super Bowl uh, performance was sort of weighing on her mind. Um, yeah, well, one day we'll probably find out the story, but there was a, a lack of focus somehow coming from Madonna on that project. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you your final question now, although, quite frankly, you and I, we'll, when this <laughs> pandemic is over, you and I are going for a drink and we're just going to talk about Madonna nonstop. Yes, How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> Come round to my house and we'll have a Madonna night. I do them all the time. <laughs> we literally just go through kind of like, you know rare performances and this that the other and just everything <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm completely up for that but I need to ask you your, your final song now and the, and the one I asked you to think about was okay when they make Matt Kane the movie which I'm, I'm sure is going to happen at some point mm-hmm. what is the Madonna song that is going to play over the end credits well I toyed toyed with three for this because the mm-hmm. lyrics um, are really fitting to kind of the end of a life story. One is I'll mm-hmm. Remember, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Um, yeah. One is Ray of Light. The other mm-hmm. is This Used to Be My Playground. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, I had to settle on Hung Up. Why does that soundtrack your life? Why do you think that's the one that should well, be on the end actually, credits? I know I've just said about Turn Up The Radio, how can you go to doing um, that kind of lightweight song after changing the world? Um, you could say the same thing about Hung Up, except it's just a much better song. You know, I mean, she, yeah. she'd, it, you know, she'd come off the back of American Life and that was great, but hadn't been as successful. And um, she did the Live 8 concert and it mm. felt like she was back. She had the dancers, she was doing the full routines. And then, um, I don't know, people were writing her off. Like I've said, um, I was so rejected growing up. I felt mm. like her popularity was important to me. It kind of, it almost helped me get my own back on the world. And she had a little wobble, didn't she, before the Confessions mm-hmm. album. And then she just came back with that. and. Everybody loved her again. I, th- I think, actually, it depends how you measure it now with streaming and this, that, and the other, but by some um, barometers, it's her most successful single of all time. That's right, yeah. You know, female pop stars now, um, I know this isn't their fault in the slightest, but they sometimes have two albums, and they look like they have three that do well. Madonna, by that point, had been around for over 20 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it was... Um, it was just amazing that she was so, you know, the, also the the imagery, I know we said we wouldn't just talk about imagery and it is about imagery, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, that's, I think if you look at pop culture, it's when it really crosses over, when something's really successful, it really crosses over from being just a song. And the video and the routine that she did several mm-hmm. times because it was so successful and the look of the leotard and the hair, 
um, basically was the kind of last imperial moment, wasn't it, for her? Um, yeah. You know, everything came together. That song and that um, the way it blew up defined that year. Even we as fans shouldn't write her over. I think there's another hung up or another Vogue still to come. Yeah, well, funny enough, she never likes doing the same. She doesn't like doing the same thing twice, does she? I, I think there's another hung up or a Vogue in the sense of the spirit of those songs. But yeah. I think it will surprise. It, it kind of it will surprise us. It um, won't quite be like it won't be like those songs, but it will be something that does the same thing that those songs did. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, you know, it, it's just wonderful to listen to you talking about your life and, and Madonna because so much of it I can identify with Thank I'm sure you. a lot of our sure a lot of our listeners can too and, it's been a pleasure um, for me oh uh, thank you uh, thank you for that juicy I don't know quite what it is you're hinting at but that juicy info that uh, there is more to the Madonna of Bolton to come in some form there is and uh, <laughs> I promise to share it with you in more detail as soon as I can well do you know what as soon as as soon as we're able to uh, to do such things I'm going to be straight over to yours with a with a bottle of rosé and uh, we're going to have a Madonna <laughs> night <laughs> thank you so much Matt it's been great to talk to you thank you and, I, and of course people can follow you on Twitter you and... can follow me on Twitter Instagram at Matt Cain Writer and of course the book is still out there the book was literally written for the listeners of your podcast <laughs> <laughs> thank you speak again I'm sure